What's up, motorheads? Welcome to F1 Technology and Perspective. I'm Scott Vick, one of your intrepid hosts. With me, as always, is my cohort, Corey Brune, and my partner in crime, where we're going to talk about the latest rounds of F1. Uh, we're going to be putting it in some historical perspective and talk about the latest re- racing technology. We've been away for the past couple of weeks, so we haven't been able to do, take and do recaps of the last two full races in Azerbaijan and Miami. And we weren't able to take and talk about the cancellation of the Imola Grand Prix, but we're going to take and we're going to get into that today. And we're going to take and do a little bit of a preview of the Monaco Grand Prix coming up this weekend. We are recording on Thursday, May 25th, and the cars are scheduled to hit the track in Monaco tomorrow for FP1. Uh, The teams have already arrived and we've already seen some uh, news coming out of Monaco. So, Corey, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it feels like it's been so long since our last uh, race, you know? Yes, and, uh, it does. Like it just, we weeks, had the, weeks, the yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's been two weeks since the last race. And, you know, and before that we had, you know, uh, a, a long break, uh, in there where it seemed That's like, right. you know, between, uh, Azerbaijan and Albert park. And so it's, it's good to finally see that we're, finally going to get to go back to racing so super excited about that so first up let's uh let's do a recap of Azerbaijan yeah so uh you know on the rundown I have you know the first thing to talk about is the job excellent job that Perez did in taking the win but I'm going to change that up a little bit and I really want to the first thing I want to talk about is the weekend format change because that caused a lot of controversy over the the race weekend. Right. Yeah, especially with Verstappen and, and Russell. Yeah. Sort of a tip. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I I'm I've never I have not been a big fan of the sprint races. I understand the reasoning behind them originally was to take and try to kind of spice up the the uh the racing itself, uh, give the fans a little more, you know, track time because sometimes the qualifying and free practices can be pretty boring. Uh, they're definitely better than they used to be. Uh, when formula one went to their current format of, you know, three sessions inside of qualifying where they took and they, they start cutting down. Whereas, you know, in the past, you know, before they went to that format back when, Oftentimes you'd have a 90 minute qualifying session and you would have absolutely nothing happen until like the last 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> when all the cars would do hit the track, do their fastest laps and then call it a day. At least we get a little more uh, entertainment value out of qualifying now than what we've got than what we had right. in the past before we went to the current qualifying format. Yeah. So, but the current, but the format for the sprint race this time got changed up where we actually had a quality in the past, the sprint races were done and the finishing order of the sprint race determined the qual- the starting grid for the next day's Grand Prix. Whereas this time around, we've got a qualifying for the sprint race, the sprint race, and then a qualifying for the Grand Prix, and then the Grand Prix itself. And so what's your thoughts on, you know, the way that they uh, changed everything up, Corey? Do you like it? You're not? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I don't know. I since I don't have that historical perspective, man, I, you know, I really do enjoy it. Uh, you know, it's almost like a mini race for me, you know, so 
I really enjoy the the sprints. I, I like watching them. I like uh, you know all the drama that, that ensues in such a small format, right? Everybody has to get their times in and has to has to do it in such a short time frame, right? So they have what like twenty laps or something like that that they, that they have to go through. So they have to be on their best behavior and they have to be at their very best, or otherwise they're starting to back the grid. So yeah, for me, I, I love it. Well, I will agree with you that I like the sprint race format itself, but I like it when it's used as the qualifying for yeah. the Grand Prix. I did not like the way they did it in Azerbaijan, where you had one less free practice and, and, and instead had an additional qualifying session for the sprint race. And then regardless of the outcome of the sprint race, it had absolutely no bearing on the Grand Prix itself oh. on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. And I... You know, and there's a number of drivers, Max Verstappen being the most vocal about it, about saying that they didn't like the sprint format at all. And right. we kind of saw the reason why he doesn't like yeah. that <laughs> so much. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, well on display this weekend. Oh, very much so. <laughs> so, yeah, we saw, you know, we saw Leclerc take uh, an excellent pole for the sprint race, but. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, almost immediately overtaken by Perez, uh, you know, for for the first place. And then we saw the tussle between Russell, no pun in, you know, no poetry yeah, intended right. there, <laughs> and Verstappen. Uh, tore a hole through Verstappen's side pod, which, you know, could have made him or the ha team very happy because, you know, even though it's not nearly as bad as it used to be, carbon fiber is still expensive. And having yeah. to rebuild an entire side pod like that is, you know, it's not a, a cheap endeavor. And <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's definitely not something that uh, I, I think any of the teams really want to see. And like going back to what you were saying is, you know, they, they the team, the drivers definitely have to be on their best behavior mm -hmm. because you put a car, you know, in the wall or in the tire barrier on during the sprint race. And it's a very long night for your mechanics. <laughs> yeah definitely they're taking overtime for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so we got on to yeah go ahead no go ahead oh you no i was just gonna say a little, i was just yeah. i think you were moving on to the grand prix so okay so here we go all right so moving on to the grand prix um we had another excellent you know or, or not surprising i should say uh ferrari or all right, moving on to the Grand Prix, we had a pretty unsurprising another Red Bull one and two. This time, you know, Checo came out on top over Verstappen. Uh, it was but you know they by far and away Red Bull looked the class of the field. Um, thoughts on that? Yeah, I just they just seem unbeatable at this point. You know, I mean, they're getting, taking one and two. Most of the time, they're also taking fast slap on top of that. So there's not – nobody has a good answer yet, at least, on how to really beat Red Bull. You know, they're that far ahead of everybody else from a technology standpoint, from a racing standpoint. And really, you have two, two of the best drivers on the grid right now in those cars. So – your ability to beat them is is really difficult, right? Because again, because all the technology that they have behind it, as well as the drivers, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's you know, when Russell 
at the beginning of the season after the first race said, Red Bull's going to win every race. You know, I, I, I still don't believe that they're going to win every race because there's, right. there's going to be a time where mechanical gremlins going to pop up, especially as we get further into the season and you start getting, because the engine allotment is so small and we've got so many races, you're going to start having, you know, rely, you know, issues with, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, a worn out part, you know, is going to go or it's going to go and qualifying or or during practice and it's going to relegate one of them you know relegate them to the back of the grid you know things like that where they're not where it's going to be they're going to be so far back that you know even you know as amazing drivers as they are yeah they're not going to be able to take make up that much ground so i don't really I, i still don't believe that they'll win every single race just from a sheer statistical perspective exactly but they do they as of right now they are still very much the class of the field and what adrian newey has done with the front suspension on the cars he has done some magic with it the way that it's just nobody's gonna catch him right away yeah right yeah it's gonna take them some time right yes but as far as taking some time or, or not needing as much time, uh, during Azerbaijan, though, Ferrari looked much stronger than they have previously. Uh, we had, you know, yeah. McLaren taking the pole during uh, the sprint qualifying. You know, they looked really strong in both the sprint race and in uh, an excellent second place for Leclerc in the sprint race. You know, very, you know, very, very good. Uh Showing during the Grand Prix, you know, Leclerc took the the last uh, spot on the podium, uh, you, you know, which, you know, m- you know, ended up in being Alonzo's first missed podium of the season right. so far. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ferrari looked much, much stronger. Much more comfortable on that track as well. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. So and then, you know, as we already mentioned, Alonso, you know, missed his podium for the first time this season. Uh, but uh, Alpha or. But, you know, Alonso looked really strong. Uh, the car looked really strong. Uh, Aston Martin has looked like, you know, absolutely the the best of the rest. Uh, the kings of the yeah. second runners, if you will. <laughs> it's a terrible way to say it, but uh, it, it's definitely the improvements that Aston Martin have made uh, to to the car from last year to this year is just undeniable how good the car is and how good – because Alonso – because we expected Alonso to be fast, you know, right. but we and we expected him to kind of overdrive the car. But we've even seen amazing drives out of Eric Stoll, out of yeah. Stroll, simply because the car is just so good this year. Right. And yeah, we have more news. Dramatic, that- I was going to say dramatic uh, performance increases uh, you know, throughout the year. Oh, hold on. I'm just going to edit that all out. You go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Okay, so... But um, we have some more news about Aston Martin that we'll we'll touch on during the Monaco preview uh, for next weekend. So let's go ahead and move on to Miami. First Grand Prix in the United States for this year. I I love the track. Yeah, the track is great. 
you know, I, I like Austin better just because, you know, we are here in Texas. But, <laughs> you know, Miami has a different flavor, right? Uh, it's definitely it's a fast track. I, I, I enjoy watching the, the races there. Um, you know, just Red Bull, again, just dominating, right? Coming within what was, I think, the third place was at 10 seconds behind or something like that. It's just incredible. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah just incredible how much faster that that car is with those drivers in it you know it just yes absolutely they're, they're they again i i i know i keep you know blowing up adrian newey's skirt <laughs> <laughs> about the amazing things that he's done with that car but it's just absolutely right. undeniable you know that uh, the Adrian Newey design cars for so many years have dominated formula 1 when he's been with various teams and it's there's it's just so unprecedented how he has managed yeah. to stay on top as the preeminent car designer and aerodynamicist uh, in Formula One for such a long period of time. Right. It's amazing, you know, and he just got signed and he? he just got signed for another few years. Mm hmm. Yep. He's just a very good thing nice. for Bridwell. <laughs> Yes, very nice <laughs> fat contract extension for Mr. Newey. <laughs> nice. Good for him. Man. But yeah, him. but like you were saying, Red Bull had a, had an amazing, you know, one-two again, this time we're stopping over Perez. Um, but mm. uh, it, honestly, it was an inspired drive by Verstappen because it, Verstappen found some of those gremlins that we were just talking about during yeah. qualifying. He ends up starting in ninth place because he didn't right. set a, uh, a time in q3 or yeah in he q3, didn't start right? he didn't set a time in q3 um so they went by his time the last time that he set in q2 which was still you know far enough back which relegated him back to ninth place um drives storms through the field um but on top of that in addition to Red Bull having such a dominant set of cars, Red Bull also nailed the strategy for the weekend. So yeah, with completely. because yeah, because the hard tires were obviously the tire to go with, and most of the front of the grid started on medium tires. Well, with Red Bull, they decided with Verstappen to take a gamble. Yeah. Put him on the hard Forward. tires to start yeah. the race. He runs almost the entire length of the race, makes his stop very, very late in the race, and with 10 laps to go, is able to take and pass Perez because Checo had gone with the opposite strategy of starting on the mediums yeah. and then going through the hards. And by the time Verstappen made his stop to go on to the mediums, that delta of where the performance of the mediums or fell off and yeah. the hard tires or I'm sorry, where, let me. So we hit that Delta of where the soft tires or not soft tires, pardon me, where the medium tires performance was better than the hard tire drop off. And so with 10 laps, to, like I said before, with 10 laps to go over stop and makes a brilliant move on Perez and is able to finish out the race with just an absolutely storming drive and takes fastest lap to boot to take right. that, yeah. you know, that extra lead over Checo for 
the driver's championship. But now there's been some rumblings, though, that after Miami, some people were asking, is Checo legitimately a threat for – or is Checo legitimately a threat to Verstappen this year? Right. Man, I think he is. You know, I think he's definitely a real deal. He's been in the sport for, what, 10 years, 11 years now? There's no doubt he's a real threat. You know, the the only thing is, will Red Bull give him – a good enough strategy to move forward, right? So, you know, he we all know he's fantastic on street street races, no doubt about it. But can he really? Yeah, you know, and really, I think that he he has that ability to also overcome him on pretty much anything else, right? On street or track, I think that he definitely has the the skill set there. What are your yeah, thoughts? Abs- yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with you there. I think Checo given equal equipment. And given a significant strategy, he is seems this year to finally have found his place in the team, and he seems to be every bit the match for Verstappen in most situations. And Checo, but the one thing that Checo can do that in some of the later races will play a huge role is that Checo is significantly easier on tires and is able to make tires last yes. longer than any just about any other driver on the grid, which later on, as we start getting into more of the true road course races, could play a factor. Right, yeah, very true. I didn't think about that. Yep. So, and then, you know, we'll, last thing we'll touch on for Miami um, – it's you know it's, it's Miami's you know like you were saying it's it's a it's a cool atmosphere and everything it's it's very they've tried to make it somewhat like Monaco in the displays of wealth but it's really much more of a hey look at me type of yeah displays right. of wealth as opposed to Monaco where it's just everywhere and you just expect it it's it's real like you know real uh money too you know it's not not something that somebody made just like last week this is like true old money right it's uh it's yeah generational yes, wealth. absolutely yeah, right right exactly. <laughs> sometimes centuries worth of wealth yeah, exactly right <laughs> yep absolutely so okay so let's yeah so let's go ahead let's move on to a quick imola recap uh so we had the imola race was canceled um, as we know, because there was unprecedented flooding in Italy, in northern Italy, near the racetrack, there's a river that actually runs um, behind the one of the back straightaways uh, at Imola that was during the race weekend was very, very close to. Uh, uh, breaking its banks and it could have possibly have caused some uh, flooding on the track itself. Um, I think that F1 did a did the right thing in this particular yeah. case in going ahead and canceling the race. Um, we'll get into it in a minute, you know, about other races that have been canceled in the past. Um, but this one was kind of unprecedented because most of the times that races have been canceled, it's not been for weather. It's always been for other reasons. Um, but because of the uh, 
the unprecedented flooding. I mean, and with AlphaTauri's uh, factory is very, very close to Imola. And there was a number of the team members who lost their homes during the flooding that they were actually literally sleeping at the factory. That's crazy. So, yeah, so there was a number of people who, you know, were kind of upset that they canceled the race, but at the same time, again, I think that it was really the right call because of if they had gone on with the race, the strain that it would have put on like the first responders and a lot of the people who, the people who work the race weekend at the track who would have, you know, who Mm -hmm. were, you know, busy dealing with their own problems with, you know, flooding in their homes and things like that, that, you know, it would have put a strain on all, almost all of the infrastructure of the track. And if the strain that it would have put on uh, the medical, if something were to have happened during the race that required, you know, significant trauma response. I think you really nailed it. You know, it's not just uh, the first responders, but it's also the people that worked or would work the, the track itself. It's also all the fans, you know, they, they, I'm sure they were displaced as well. So you have all the stress on top of a race. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So were there rare times that I'll say it, but the FIA was right in this one. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And, I think it was really significant the fact that Ferrari, F1, and another a number of the other teams have all pledged money to after the after the cancellation of the race were more than happy to pledge money to the recovery relief uh, efforts in. Uh, in the in the northern Italy region, uh, in and around the racetrack, to try to help, uh, try to help those who were displaced. You know, so they were trying to help a lot of like the the the, the track workers and the people who would have worked. You know, first response and things at the track. So they they pledged to donate this money, uh, which you know for an organ organ they all. Uh, I know F one and uh, Ferrari both pledged a million dollars. Now, a million dollars for these folks, that's a drop in the bucket. I think they probably sure. maybe could have done a little more, but th- th- their <laughs> heart's in the right place for a change. And right. I, th- I think it was very significant, um, yeah. you know, the fact that they, they stepped up. Right. Yeah, you know, and again, a million dollars is quite a bit of money, right? So it's not like they gave them $100,000 or something. Even $100,000, that's quite a bit of money so uh two million dollars all in all i think that's it's pretty good right yeah again yeah they they make way more than that but a million dollars is really not too shabby right no not bad at all (laughs) so and then also the the one thing the the that we got that i kind of could be the silver lining is probably one of the best pictures that came out of the whole flooding situation uh was a picture that was published of Yuki Sonoda, who is a, by all accounts, is a very tiny little guy. 
<laughs> and it's a picture of him helping with the cleanup efforts uh, near Imola. And he is standing between two guys uh, who are working on, you know, to, to help with the cleanup and they are just towering over him. And it wow. just goes to the display <laughs> just how tiny he is, but how big of a heart did that guy have to, that he's out there? You know, he could have, you know, jumped on his plane and, you know, gone back to, you know, gone back to England, you know, to, or, you know, gone back to his home in, in Japan. And no, he was there helping out you know, pitching in. So good on Yuki and, and great picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One to remember for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All so, right. So, um, so, you know, we, we touched on, you know, the fact that, you know, this was really unprecedented for Imola, you know, to be canceled due to weather because there's only, um, Actually, no, I take that back. There has never been a race that was canceled due to weather. They Formula One has raced in some absolutely diabolical conditions and they carry they soldiered on. Uh, you know, you have 76 in Japan where I mean it was just a torrential downpour. And this is the one that, you know, the race that was made famous by the excellent movie Rush that oh, yeah, yeah. you know that, that it was about you know the the lauda uh james mm-hmm. nikki lauda james hunt rivalry and you know nikki went out did the first you know two or three laps may i don't even think he did three full laps i think he did one race the the, the parade lap one lap and then he brought it in and said that's it it's too dangerous i mm. i'm out and this was just a weekend that was just absolutely diabolical, but they raced anyway. Um, same thing was, you know, during the uh, early 80s, I want to say it was 83, 84, again in Japan, because they're for, there for a long time. Yeah. They always raced in Japan in the rainy season. So Japan has had <laughs> some absolutely diabolical weather situations where, you know, where they raced anyway. Um, you know, last year, uh, we had the debacle at Belgium where they actually started the race, did a handful of laps behind the pace car and then said, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're calling the race and we're giving everybody half points, you know, that, that a lot of people say, well, why did we even bother doing that? You know, and everything. So, and again, it's one of those things that, you know, it's formula one and the FIA do not like to cancel races. Um, right. notwithstanding the, the races that were canceled the last couple of years because of COVID, there's only been, let's see, there's only been five other times that a race, uh, a Grand Prix has been canceled. Hmm. Um, you know, there was, uh, the famous one in 1969, uh, when the drivers boycotted the race at Belgium. Because Jackie Stewart, who had taken over, you know, was who was leading the charge for driver safety, you know, was part, you know, the the leader of the uh, Formula One Drivers Association. Uh, they were demanding safety improvements be made to Spa Frankershaw. The changes didn't happen, and because mostly because they they said they it was because of financial considerations and stuff and the drivers just all said nope we're not racing and they ended wow. up canceling it yeah huh. which you know 
you know, there, there's been some other times where the drivers have, have, uh, you know, demanded changes and everything that it's in some cases, the, the FIA has responded. And then there's been a couple of them that the FIA's response was an absolute joke, you know, Indianapolis 97, 98, somewhere in there. I forget what year it was Mm -hmm. that we, we had the Michelin versus, uh, Bridgestone debacle where all of the Bridgestone cars after the first lap parade lap all came into the pits and refused to start the race. So the only wow. teams that you had, you had uh, only of the 20 cars that started that were supposed to start the race. I think it was only either eight or 10 uh, teams actually, or eight or 10 cars actually started the race uh, because they were running on the Michelins because they were having st- because this was back during the area era where they had the grooved tires in Formula One. And because of the speeds and the load that was being put on the tires coming through the, uh, the last turn onto the front straightaway at, Indian, at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it was putting so much load on it that they wanted them to put a tire chicane uh, on the back stretch of the, the on the on that stretch of the track in order to slow the cars down. And the FIA said, no, we don't need to do that. And so a number of the, the teams that were running Bridgestones all I'm saying Bridgestone, but I'm starting to, I'm, if I remember correctly, I wish I had it in front of me. It may have been the Michelin teams, but it was one of the others. So it was like, basically you had Ferrari, Jordan. Um, and I think it was one other team. So now I'm starting to think it was actually, there was only six cars that actually started the race and it wow. was just a complete debacle. Fans were so angry. They were throwing shit on sure. the track. <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was a complete and utter joke. And that's really kind of what sounded the, the you know, kind of uh, killed uh, the Grand Prix, uh, the U.S. Grand Prix uh, for a number of years was that, that absolute debacle. Um you know, but some of the other, you know, cases was um, like the only other times that we've had uh, cancellations of races was like 2011 uh, that when the Arab Spring broke out, um, the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, got canceled because of anti-government protests uh, that basically oh. overtook the track and everything. So for, you know, everybody's safety, they canceled that particular race. Uh, you had 1985 in Belgium um, because the track had been resurfaced like two weeks before the race, uh, trying to create more, you know, grip for uh, in rainy conditions. But because of that, the tarmac was still seeping oils and stuff out of there, which actually wow. did the counter of what they yeah. had tried to resurface it. They didn't. It, so basically, the surface didn't have enough time to cure properly. And so it made the car it made it so dangerous that literally parts of the asphalt were literally start were, were breaking up, <laughs> and so they ended up having to cancel the race that weekend because of that. So these are the only times that the races have ever been, you know, is when just it's been something that the safety of the drivers was it was so far above and beyond even just the normal danger of racing that the FIA has had to say, yeah, no, no bueno. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think about all the different conditions, right? That the, the races go through and they're just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. 
have fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, like I said, we've seen some, uh, we've seen just some absolute, especially like wet weather. You know, we've seen some races, you know, uh, famously there was, uh, I believe it was, uh, 2001, 2002, somewhere in there, uh, where, uh, Michael Schumacher hit the back of David Coulthard in the rain at spa. Wow. just, I mean, and Schumacher got and, and this was the one that was really funny though, is because Schumacher could not see Coulthard because of the spray. Coulthard's yeah. car broke. And so he was slowing down and Schumacher came out of the rain, out of the mist and hit the back end of Coulthard's car and then tried to blame Coulthard for the accident. Charged <laughs> down to down the pits, was ready to you know start throwing punches. Really, and wow. there are some people who say that even after watching the replay, Schumacher still you know up until you know the day that he, he hit that tree, he still believed that Coulthard was in the wrong <laughs> for that accident. But I digress. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. You want to do the Monaco preview? Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about uh, this upcoming uh, weekend. So, like I said, we're recording this on Thursday, May the 25th. So, the cars are scheduled to hit the track tomorrow for FP1 and 2. Uh, the teams are already in Monaco and have already set up shop. Um, so, we've already got a little bit of news coming out of Monaco. Um, I know in the rundown we, we, we t- we're going to talk about Red Bull, but actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that for last, and we're going to jump ahead to uh, first and foremost, the biggest news this weekend has so far been the rumor that Ferrari has offered a contract to Hamilton for next year because, as we all know, Hamilton's contract is up at the yeah. end of the year. He's still in negotiations with Mercedes, and there's rumors and rumblings even coming from as high as Vassar, the uh, team principal for Ferrari, saying that Hamilton's been offered a contract for next year in case Mercedes doesn't step up. What's your thoughts? Wow. It's interesting, right? Um I just, I don't think he should move, man. You know, I, I can understand that he may be feeling the heat, especially since, you know, Russell's been doing so much better than him on the same car, same setup and everything like that. I, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> it's risky. Not only are you changing, you know, going from uh, Mercedes to Ferrari, but Ferrari just... They don't have a – and I don't mean to, to disrespect Ferrari by any stretch, but to me it seems like the strategies at Mercedes are far superior than what you're going to get at uh, Ferrari. So that alone would would at least say, let's give Mercedes a little bit more time, right? But, you know, obviously <laughs> it's always good to have that, that thing in your back pocket to say, I have this offer right here. Yeah. What are you guys going to do? How are you going to match it? Right. Yes. And he may not be really willing to go. It just might be that card. Right. What are yeah, your thoughts? Absolutely. No, I absolutely agree with you. I, I really think that that's exactly what it, if anything, that that's really what it is. It's just something for him to say during negotiations to say, Hey, Ferrari wants me. They've offered me, they, they're ready to back the truck, the cash truck up. 
Um, yeah. But I don't think Hamilton is going to want to go to Ferrari. Um, I think it would be very, it would be a situation very reminiscent of when Alonso signed with Ferrari. He signed with Ferrari, you know, and thought, okay, this is my chance, you know, because Ferrari, you know, had been really strong for the last few seasons. Um, he goes to Ferrari and the team takes a nosedive through no fault of Alonso's, but just for a number of, you know, political factors and things like that. Team takes a complete nosedive and they never are able to really give him the car that he yeah. really for him to really be able to compete. And I think that that's the same that the Hamilton having been teammates with Alonso in the past. Yeah. I, I think that that's always going to play in the back of Hamilton's mind of if I go to Ferrari, what's going to yeah. happen? Are they going to be able to take give me the car? Yeah. Am I how? And, and the other thing, too, is. Hamilton, I'm not taking anything away from Hamilton as a driver. He is a ferocious competitor. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But off the track, and especially in the last few years, off the track, he seems to be way more laid back. And I don't know that he really is going to want to have to take and put up with all the political BS. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Comes with being a driver for Ferrari. Right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. If you have no other spots, yeah, sure. But I don't know, man. I'd hold out for as long as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the thing is, though, is that if Ferrari, if Hamilton were to decide to make that move and go to Ferrari, yeah. who's out? Would it be Leclerc? Yeah. Would it? Would he Science take? Been having problems. Hamilton, you know? yeah. 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 Would sites, you know, be, you know, the odd man out, you know, because, it, you know, it, it, it's going to make for a, I think, at, yeah. especially as we get towards the end of the year, when we get into like the summer break and everything, it mm-hmm. could make the silly season this year. Very, very. Oh, very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you, you know, for sure. Those drivers will have a seat will get bumped they will have a seat somewhere they're they're just too good right and then you know think about ricardo for silly season you know what's gonna yeah, happen there? absolutely maybe you know ooh, and see and that's something i hadn't considered until just now is a, the way that the the cards could start shuffling around if hamilton goes to ferrari you know yeah. who does mercedes take does he take do they take whoever you know ferrari drops in favor of hamilton true do they sign Ricardo? Because yeah. you, know, seniority, to, yeah. you know, Toto Wolf really likes yeah. Ricardo. You know, right. and you know, and and last year when it was announced that Ricardo was being dropped a year earlier during one of the press conferences, Hamilton very plainly said, oh, "Yeah, if it were up to me, you would have a seat next year." So it's like as the parting gift, you know, because. Hamilton has done so much for the team. If Hamilton says, you know, hey, I'm going to Ferrari, but you guys need to hire Danny Rick. Does Danny Rick get the get the nod? You know, right. and you know, which would be, you know, can you imagine what kind of pairing that would be oh with Danny Rick and Russell at Mercedes? Oh my God. Insane. And yeah, you know, if if they can take and get a handle, because we know Mercedes is not going to be down for long. You know, it's like they were right. down last year. They they started off a little slow this year. They're not going to stay down forever. You know, it, they're they're not going to continue to slide. And you know, if the, if they get a handle on the car 
and come out of the gate really strong next year with that driver pairing. Holy cow. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be a nice one. Yeah, yep. they would be the team to beat. Yep. And speaking of that, uh, speaking of car changes and, and getting a handle on things, uh, you know, both McLaren and Mercedes are supposed to have very, very significant upgrades to the cars uh, this weekend at Monaco. Uh, McLaren's changes were supposed to be ready, were ready last week for Imola, but because of the cancellation, of course, they didn't get to do any running with those new parts and everything that they, the updates that they brought. So these, this will be the first time we get to see uh, McLaren's updates this weekend. And then also Mercedes uh, have a huge upgrade to their car that's supposed to break cover this weekend. So we're going to see, have a, it, it'll be interesting to see how, the, how both those teams fare this weekend at, at, you know, yeah. at a much tighter circuit. Uh, like right. Monaco. Yeah, because there's no overtakes. Very few. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Most of the overtakes are done either, you know, through attrition or in the pits. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, and this being a home race for Leclerc this weekend, uh, a true home race, you know, yes, we know a lot of the drivers live in Monaco, mostly for tax purposes, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But Leclerc is a true native of Monaco. And so this is a home race for him, you know, a true home race for him. So, you know, it's, you know, in the last two years have not been kind to him, you know, year before last, he doesn't even get a chance to start the the race because he damages the gearbox on the last lap of qualifying, puts the car in pole and then never makes it off the grid. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because of that. Yes. And then last year, the absolute debacle of strategy you know the strategy calls from ferrari last year you know takes and shows you know where he goes from absolutely dominating the race to fourth place because again like you said there's no passing at monaco right right so he he gets called into the pits does his you know his tire change and is caught you know comes out in fourth place because Ferrari completely cocked up the strategy. Yeah, last year was not a good year for Ferrari, especially no. with strategies. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, with the, the the strength that Ferrari has shown the last two races, uh, you know, uh, albeit you know, it, somewhat different type of circuit, but thoughts on you know, do you think Leclerc? Does Leclerc have the potential to finally turn things around from the last two years and have a really strong showing this weekend? I would like to say yes, right? I, I like him, you know, as a fan. I think he's great. I think he has uh, great potential. But the problem is I, I see him, whether it be strategy or whether it be him being self-destructive, I see – something a commonality there you know something happens right and again either it's something that he does he just does a boneheaded mistake and he's off in the in in the gravel you know or he has a bad strategy given to him you know so again i would like to say yes (laughs) but uh i'm doubtful how about that Okay, (laughs) fair enough. All right, so last thing we're going to hit on before we call it a day is uh, there has been some 
talk out of the paddock today, uh, one of the other news stories was is that there's a number of the teams think that this is one of the weekends that Red Bull is beatable because, because Monaco is such a tight circuit and because it, it negates a lot of Red Bull's speed advantage. Uh, the, there's only one DRS zone at Monaco. Um, you know, the, the track is so tight that depending upon qualifying and depending upon the way the strategies play out, there's a number of the teams think that this is, you know, definitely a weekend that Red Bull is beatable. So your thoughts? Yeah, completely agree. All depends on where they are in the, uh, in the lineup, you know, after quality, all depends, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if they don't get, but you know, fourth or, or below, Probably not going to happen. So Probably again, this so. could be one of the race races that you were talking about that they may not win it, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that uh, if anything, I th- you know, with the Ferrari strong showing the last couple weeks, we're going to see what you know. Especially, we'll, we're we're going to know even more tomorrow after uh, FP one and two. You know what kind of strides Mercedes has made uh, with their new updates that are coming uh which we'll know more about tomorrow uh or maybe even later today you know now that the car is you know the updates have broken cover um so you've got mercedes you've got uh ferrari and and we can't rule out aston martin because this is another you know monaco is another one of those tracks that alonso absolutely loves yeah alonso goes to really can pedal the car really really well around monaco so I think that, uh, you know, you can't count out Alonzo this weekend either, that if Alonzo can sure. get himself in, you know, a really good qualifying position, you know, first through third, maybe even as low as fourth. And he has, you know, and he, as we've seen before, Alonzo can make some barnstorming starts yeah. that if he's, you know, in first or second going into the first corner, at Monaco, I think he has a really good chance of being, you know, as, as long as the strategy comes right, I think he's got a really good chance this weekend. Completely agree. Yeah. And it would really be nice to see him take a, a podium or take a, a win, actually. Right? Yeah, he's had absolutely. Podiums, right? it'd, be the, it'd be the first time that he's, you know, his yeah. first win in uh, almost 10 years. And yeah, uh, it would be right. uh, something very, very cool to see. Yeah, definitely, especially at Monaco, definitely. Yes, absolutely. The one of the crown jewels, you know, it's Yeah. Yeah. So, uh and then one more thing that I wanted to touch on before we call, you know, we say goodbye um that's not on the the rundown. Um but I think that is important. Okay, now we may have to edit this out because now I had a thought, now I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> there was one more thing that I was going to that I was going to bring up. Oh well. All right. So never mind. So we'll we'll go ahead and, and <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So you know, like I said, we've got. Uh, all right. So we, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to. Uh, I think we should go ahead and land this plane. Uh, you know, or 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 more precisely, we're going to box the car and yeah. uh, <laughs> call it good. So, uh, Corey, any final thoughts for today? You know about you know the last couple weeks about you know. Uh, the, the the Grand Prix this weekend, go. Man, I'm, I'm just, 
I feel like it's almost like the start of the season again, right? Because it's been so long, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just super excited. And Monaco is just one of those races that I think are just uh, fantastic. It just, it's so tight. It's so fast. Uh, it's just one of those things that I love. I, I look forward to all year. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I love Monaco. You know, you're right. It's, you know, can't, it, it, it has, it has produced, it has produced some very boring races in the past, but it's also yeah. produced some very exciting and, right. you know, absolutely, you know, incredible, you know, wonderful races as well. I mean, you've had, you know, the years where Senna was just absolutely, you know, absolutely sublime around Monaco. Uh, you know, you had, you know, uh, 1995, you know, which was an attrition race where, you know, you had 24 cars started because this was back before they limited it to mm -hmm. 10 teams. So you had 24 cars that started the race and only six that finished. And you had the Leger team with, with Olivia Penise, who, you know, took his one and only win in Monaco, you know, because of the attrition that year, you know, and, and, you know, between the rain and the car malfunctions and, and breakdowns. So yes, it's, it's definitely one of the crown jewels. It's the, it's the one race that every formula one driver wants to win regardless. And so it's, it's always, you know, just an amazing atmosphere an amazing you know, time on the, the calendar. And it really is, you know, the start of the uh, European part of the season where, you know, we, we go yeah. to, you know, back to a lot of the old world, you know, tracks, you know, like Spain, like, you know, Silverstone, Spa, and just, you know, Monza, you know, just, yeah. just a great, great time, you know, probably, you know, the, this stretch coming up is, you know, probably some of the best racing in, you know, the formula one will have in any given year. And I yeah. just, I'm super excited. <laughs> Same here. can't wait. So, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, um, I think what we're going to do is it's like I said, it's time to take box, box, box and retire to the garage. Uh, we're going to come to you in uh, ne early next week. So we're going to take, we're going to recap Monaco where we'll talk more about the McLaren and Mercedes upgrades and all the news that's coming out of Monaco. And so until next time for Corey Brune, I'm Scott Vick saying stick to the medium tires and don't pitch it in the kitty litter. <laughs>